there. Welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Fox. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And we're back, bitch. Oh, yeah. We're back. We had a nice week of rest and relaxation. And by rest and relaxation, I mean our life turned into like, I don't even know what. Just all the bad things happened at once. And it was a little too much all at one time. So we needed a minute. <laughs> yeah, it was a two-week span of chaos. A little bit. You know, life life happens that way. But um, we're back now. Everything is good. We are fine. No worries here, thankfully. We are getting right back on track with another episode of Shoot the Flick. Yes, we are. And this week, we are discussing... The 80s cult classic. Oh, dear. Big Trouble in Little China. Released in 1986. And this movie has a weird history. Yeah, um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss that and you can talk about that. I'll, I'll just say for me, I feel like um, there are definitely going to be some people that are like, you've never seen Big Trouble in Little China, Frankie? Oh, my God. Listen. Shut up. But also, like, just as far as I'm concerned, it's just been one of those movies that I've heard about endlessly throughout my life as being so good. And um, I just never got around to seeing. And I feel like perhaps I was a little overhyped going into this. I understand. But Scott, why don't you uh, give us a little bit of the skinny, perhaps why you wanted to introduce me to this film. So this movie is A, a John Carpenter and Kurt Russell vehicle, which is always fun. I love both Carpenter and Russell. It's an action, comedy, magical, (laughs) mystery, horror tour that I understand why it kind of bombed at the box office. Well, yeah, from what I understand, the film tested well with audiences, but the studio didn't really know how to promote it. Therefore, there wasn't a lot of advertising done. And also, it was released two weeks before Aliens, Mm -hmm. which was, like, obviously a big to-do at that time. So, yeah, it didn't really get popular until it came out on home video and whatnot. But, yeah, it it definitely bombed. It made, like, not even half of its budget back. (laughs) Yeah, it... It came out around the same time as Aliens. Ferris Bueller was also around this time. Oh, yeah, that's true. John Carpenter seems to have a bad streak of when he releases movies because he had the same thing happen with The Thing. Well, <laughs> Carpenter also, he's got a weird relationship with Hollywood in general where like, he, he has historically felt kind of screwed over by the Hollywood machine. So it, that also kind of makes sense why he might feel that way because maybe his timing and or creativity doesn't always line up with the Hollywood scene and with general audiences and whatnot, but continue. But this movie is so goofy and so fun, and from everything I've read or heard about, seemed like a good time on set, and for the most part, people who actually do see the movie tend to think it's a good time. I think if you read too much into this movie... It decreases its value. This is a very surface level kind of movie. Yes. I, I will definitely say that because it looks like everybody's having a great time, which 
is great because even if Hulu's bad, if it seems like everyone's having fun and kind of playing into the story and just like enjoying themselves and maybe turning their brains off like the audience should turn their brain off then you know we all are kind of having a good time together but there were several times throughout this movie where I would just look at the screen and be like what the fuck is that or what the fuck does that mean what the fuck is happening and after a while I just stopped doing that (laughs) because I was just like I'm not gonna get any answers here so I'm just going to enjoy like the goofy silliness of it yeah and that's exactly what you need to do and I understand that like buying into the world is like a big thing but this movie just it just wants you to just just accept it just accept the weird dialogue the goofiness of it Overall, it's just a fun movie. I'll say for sure, like, just my history with John Carpenter in general. I'm actually currently trying to get through all of the John Carpenter-directed films. I'm about halfway through now. And I'll say a lot of John Carpenter's movies I've had to watch multiple times to get a better handle on how I feel about it. The Thing I had to rewatch again. Escape from New York I had to rewatch. I actually rewatched Christine for a Shoot the Flick episode um, and liked it a hell of a lot better the second time around. So I have a feeling I'm going to rewatch Big Trouble in Little China and like it more than I did this time. I liked it this time, but I, I don't think I knew what to expect. All I knew about this movie going in was Kurt Russell and a lot of like Chinese like iconography and culture throughout the movie that's really all I knew about it I knew nothing about the plot I knew nothing about whether or not uh Kurt Russell is supposed to be the hero or not which spoiler alert he's kind of not kind of is it's very confusing we'll explain we're gonna talk about this because it's perplexing but I will say that I did have a fun time with it I overall had a pleasant experience but a very unique experience i'll say yes and since we did mention the uh chinese culture being quite prevalent throughout the movie i did want to kind of reference because scott told me before we watched this movie and i also kind of did a little bit of research in regards to this there is a sort of racism controversy quote-unquote around this movie at least upon its release the film was protested I think partially because of just the depiction of Chinese culture because the movie was made by a white guy and stars a white guy and it's mainly about the Chinese culture. (laughs) It's also the way the Chinese culture is depicted in the film. It's so goofy, like we've been saying, it's almost to the point of parody, but it never feels like it's making fun of Asian people or anything like that. So to me, I didn't feel any racism vibes i mean it sounds weird to put it that way but if you're an asian person and you find this movie offensive in some way i can't tell you you're wrong all i can say as a white lady is that it doesn't seem like it's coming from a bad place it seems more like it's just kind of giving a somewhat goofy but loving homage to the martial arts genre action adventure genre and it's obviously very creative in the special way that John Carpenter does things so just wanted to put that out there if there was any question about if this movie is sus in any way from a racism perspective well okay so what you have to understand too in 
a historical perspective, there used to be a a directive in Hollywood studios, and this is kind of what John Carpenter is making fun of with this movie. They would be like, oh, we're having a movie about the civil rights movement. Okay, can the main character be a white lawyer? Right, yeah. That used to be a thing. Like, they would have to insert a white person as the main lead because the studio system was afraid the movie wouldn't sell otherwise. Right. And that's directly what John Carpenter is making fun of. Okay, we're just going to get right into this with the Kurt Russell thing. <laughs> <laughs> with Kurt Russell. So that was like a big thing for Carpenter because Carpenter and Kurt Russell have talked about that. Also, when this movie was uh, put out and they didn't know how to sell it, they put the poster out of a giant Chinese wizard who looks evil and then Kurt Russell in the front ground with his gun. Right. Well, let's let's be more specific and clear. The poster of this film, any poster of this film that was like commercially released is just fucking Kurt Russell with a big gun and that's it and like i get it he's the big star at the time blah 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 this is what i'm saying in regards to like the idea i like the idea that carpenter was like we want to say fuck you to the idea that you know if you make a movie about minorities and put a white guy or a white gal as the main lead that's kind of bullshit and like cool man but like Carpenter said that Kurt Russell's character of Jack in this movie is supposed to be the bumbling sidekick. I don't fully buy that. I think maybe that's what he wanted to do, but he maybe got some studio pushback. And that's partially why he was like, after this movie, fuck Hollywood, I'm done. I'm making movies independently now because this is bullshit, which is fair. But while they do make the character of Jack kind of a doof, and he is a doof. He's he's got badassery in him, but he's a lot of times a big doof that has no idea what's going on. However, he does get the majority of the lead character spot in this movie. He gets the girl at the end, and yeah, so does Wang, who is our actual Asian like lead in this movie. But he a has no personality, and b he gets the girl at the end, but the girl has like two lines in the whole movie. Like we don't know who the hell this girl is. So, like, and he has no arc. Nobody has an arc. <laughs> well, again, but- which again, you don't need. It's a goofy fucking movie. But the point is, just because Kurt Russell like gets hit in the head with some rocks and acts like a doof sometimes and doesn't understand Asian culture doesn't mean that he's not the star when you A, put him all over the poster and B, put him all over the movie and have him get the hot girl at the end and be the hero from 90% of the movie. Well, (laughs) see, the thing is, he thinks he's the hero. But he kills the main bad guy. He does, but... He does. Yes. Kurt Russell. <laughs> yes, Kurt Russell kills the main bad guy. So but... he's the main hero of the movie. But... I'm sure Carpenter didn't want that, maybe, but that's what happened. But it, it's Wang who takes down the three storms. It's Wang who does most of the fighting. And... I, I get that, but just... Kurt in... Russell's just kind of along for the ride for most of this. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's not the hero of the, of the story. I They... I think he what happened was back. oh yes the pork chop express we need to find the pork chop express immediately um but I I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying I'm just saying I wish that carpenter slash the studio really committed to that like even if you bill Kurt Russell as the star of your movie on the posters and in the trailer and whatever and then when they go and see the movie he's literally the sidekick the entire time then put Wang, who's, again, the Asian uh, lead in the movie, put him in front and center. 
give him like the full hero's garb in in this movie and then literally make her Russell the sidekick and then the audience will be like hey <laughs> we came here for Kurt Russell <laughs> we got this guy what's that about like I think that would and like I get why maybe the studio didn't feel comfortable committing to that because they were like whoa, whoa, whoa. but if that's what the point of the movie was to make fun of the idea that movies about minorities often star a white male lead then yeah you should commit to that and go all the way with it and not kind of half-ass it because Kurt Russell big star and will make money well also okay because that does involve us getting into the movie just one step into the movie because the first initial scene of the movie is people interviewing Egg Shen about what happened here and where is this Jack Burton and Agent immediately does the whole thing about being... Oh my god, that was so stupid. He's the hero of our story. He's a-, a brave man. He died for our sins. He's our Jesus. It's like, okay. <laughs> well, this was forced on Carpenter by the studio. Right, I'm sure. So, you know, the, the things that make Jack Burton the hero is probably a lot of studio interference because yeah. that's what the studio I, does. I actually agree with that, and it's unfortunate. So let's get into the preliminary fun facts before we move on into the nitty and the gritty here. Uh, As we said, it's directed by John Carpenter. I do want to mention the writers of this movie, Gary Goldman and David Z. Weinstein, who were both first-time screenwriters. Now, Goldman and Weinstein originally wrote the movie as a Western, but when Carpenter bought the script, he hired another writer by the name of W.D. Richter, who got an adaptation credit on the script. Uh, He wrote the movie Invasion of the Body Snatchers in the 70s, which is an awesome horror movie. And um, Carpenter basically wanted Richter to modernize the movie and pretty much overhaul it completely. Carpenter didn't even want Goldman and Weinstein, the original writers, to get credit because (laughs) they, they pretty much overhauled the whole thing. I went to the Writers Guild of America and they fought about it and eventually the two original writers did get credit. But I find it weird that like Carpenter wanted to change it from a Western because I thought he always wanted to do a Western like throughout his career. And then maybe, I don't know, maybe the script was really that bad, but (laughs) he got a Western like put in his lap and he's like, no. (laughs) The thing is, he does have Western motifs throughout the movie. Oh, yeah, throughout a lot of his movies. I don't know if this movie works as a Western. I don't know. I mean, I'd be interested to read the original script, uh, but I don't know if it exists out there in the universe, but it'd be interesting to see, like, how it changed. And um, also, I just feel compelled to mention, back in 2015, there was talks of a Big Trouble in Little China sequel. Carpenter's involvement in said sequel was questionable, at the time apparently it's still in the works i don't know if it really is or not but uh apparently it was supposed to star you guessed it none other than dwayne rock johnson because of course (laughs) well yeah of course i love the rock i do the rock is a superhero literally now yeah literally now Um, (laughs) black adam but he is a superhero persona he is gigantic what makes kurt russell so great is kurt russell is almost one of the greatest everyman actors we've ever had. Yeah, I mean, The Rock isn't necessarily an everyman. That's that's true. However, he is kind of the king of like the mindless fun adventure movie. He is. 
So I, I, you know, it makes sense why they would want to put him in a reboot slash sequel of Big Trouble. But um, I wouldn't be mad if they tried to do something. I mean, this isn't like a heavy enough movie where like you can't remake it. It's just too precious. Like, I don't think it, I think it's just fun and yeah. fancy free. And I think if they kept that vibe, it could work. It could. Possibly. I don't know. It's just interesting because when Kurt Russell does all this goofy shit in this movie and is like along for the ride, you buy it because he's like, I just experienced some crazy shit here. Someone needs to explain this to me. Yeah, literally there were times in this movie where Kurt Russell was like yelling at other characters like, can someone please explain to me? You guys are just talking and saying things like, I understand what's happening. Can you explain? And I was like, yes, me too, girl. Me. I want to know. Tell me. Like, you know, people, audiences generally, especially movie people, they often complain about too much exposition. I feel like there isn't a time often where you complain about little to no expo- There's no exposition in here. They just throw you into the lion's yeah. den and they're like, okay, let's go. And it's like, wait, where are we going? Who is this guy? What are we doing? Why is it? What? What? Um, but yeah, I think uh, we can get into the nitty gritty now. Okay. Um, this should be fun. This is going to be a bonkers thing. It's it's hard to write down a plot for this movie at times. It is, but hey, we're just we're having fun here on Shoot the Flick. You know, we we've rested, we recharged, and now we're ready to just have some fun and talk about movies. So, as I said, we started off with the Egg Shen interrogation where we just learned that Egg Shen is basically magic. He's kind of the typical movie trope character of like the wise old Asian man. Egg Shen is played by Victor Wong, who was a big Asian character actor throughout the years. Oh, yes. I recognized his face immediately, along with another uh, legendary character actor uh, who we're going to get to in a little bit. He's, he's basically our Merlin of the story. Right. But we quickly meet Jack Byrne. Our trucker extraordinaire who drives, as we said, the Pork Chop Express. Yes. Now, we have talked about Kurt Russell before on this show. He did the movie Miracle. Hockey movie, remember? Huh? Yeah. Uh, we talked about him when he played Santa Claus. We in did. the Christmas Chronicles. Uh, he was in Guardians 2, The Thing. He did Escape from New York five years before this movie. And he also, just another little fun fact, he turned down the main role in Highlander to do this film. <clears throat> which we also talked about Highlander on the show. I love Highlander. I so do, I don't do. talk shit about it, Scott. No, I, I don't want to talk shit about Highlander. I, ve- I very much enjoyed Highlander. I think Kurt Russell is great. I don't know if I like him as the lead in Highlander. I, I don't know if I can buy him trying to put on a Scottish accent. Don't. Well, to be fair, <laughs> Christopher Lambert. Chris, Christopher Lambert doesn't do a fucking Scottish accent either. The Scottish guy in that movie, Sean Connery, doesn't even do a Scottish accent in that movie. So let's, you know, relax with that. Well, he's Spanish and Egyptian in that oh, movie. Oh, shut up. That movie's so weird. I love it so much. <laughs> but we quickly get introduced to Kurt Russell's like goofy fucking lines where he's talking on the CV radio and he's like, if somebody comes up to you and asks you if you've paid your dues... Well, you just stare that big sucker right back in the eye and you remember what old Jack Burton always says at a time like that. Have you paid your dues, Jack? 
Yes, sir, the check is in the mail. I, he talks a couple of times on the CB radio in this movie, and no one ever talks back. I feel like that thing isn't connected to anything. I feel like it's just disconnected, and he's talking to himself. Like, nobody cares what you have to say, sir. He comes to Chinatown, and he starts gambling with his good buddy Wang, played by Dennis Dunn. They're having a good time, and now Wang goes, Okay, Jack, I'll get you the money I owe you, but we have to go to the airport first. We have to go pick up this girl who's flying to China, who I spent all this money to get her here to America. Yeah, that was that was a weird scene. Because <laughs> we spend, like, forever, like, you know, establishing that they're friends, that they've been friends for a long time or whatever. And then they get in this truck and they're going to the airport. And he's like, oh, Jack, I've, wor- I've known her since I was a child and I worked for five years to get her to China. I slept on the floor and I did this and I, I have a restaurant now, but I just did so much work. That's the only exposition that's in this movie at all. Just that one dump right there. And then other than that, there's barely anything. And then you think the girl's going to be important. I actually thought she was going to end up being a bad guy, the the fiance or whatever, because she has like this like cat eye, like look on her face and picture that he shows Jack. And I'm like, Ooh, she's going to be a bad guy, secret bad guy. I also assumed that she was going to be a bad guy because she is way too hot for Wang. Let's discuss Wang for a sec. I don't know him from anything else. He seems like a lovely guy, but the thing is in this movie, everyone except Jack, Jack, but particularly Wang talks like they're in a fucking like high school play from 1956. It sounds like they're doing our town basically. And I'm like, okay, after a while, I'm like, why is he talking like that? How come it's not safe to walk in Central Park, huh? Or give a stranger a lift anymore? Because the world's full of crazy people, Jack. Hoodlums. He's like, oh, Jack, now I understand why I'm acting so strangely and why I couldn't beat you at poker. Because my my chakra and my spirit and my heart and my body are all all messed up in different directions. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I thought maybe it's just this guy and his acting is weird. But it was a purposeful choice because more and more people come into the story. The fucking female love interest comes into the story for Jack, the uh, fucking other side character. Co- and they're all talking like this, like they're in a fucking play. The only person that's not talking like that is Kurt Russell. And I was trying to determine whether it was because the writing for his character was different or because the writing for Jack Burton is also weird, but because Kurt Russell is Kurt Russell, it's, it sounds normal <laughs> because Kurt Russell is the shit. I was trying to determine, but yeah, Wang is like a goody goody and it's, a, it's weird. And that's why I assumed his really hot fiance from China was not kosher, but turns out I was totally wrong. And the girlfriend is just totally pointless. <laughs> she is so pointless, which irritated me. <laughs> You know how I am with pointless female characters. That is true. She is basically just a plot device. Wang even says, I lost a whole girl. Oh, I wrote that down. Because, okay, they get to the airport and, like, these Chinese gang members come into the airport and kidnap his fiance, And then we don't see her again for, like, another 20, 30 minutes. When we do see her, she's tied to a bed. She doesn't say, like, one fucking word until maybe the end of the movie. And that's it. So, like, why? 
It, she's a plot device. I don't like that shit. I don't like when women are plot devices. It irritates me. But anyway, we meet the other female love interest for Jack, whose name is Gracie Law. She is also at the airport. It's unclear what her job is or like what her purpose is in life and in this movie. She's just like girl that is involved with Chinese gang activity for some reason. And she knows everyone in the neighborhood. Yes, she's Gracie Law, played by Kim Cattrall. Yes, who played Samantha in Sex in the City. But she also talks like she's in our town. And I don't understand that choice. <laughs> Just funny, she walks in, she goes, I'm Gracie Law. <laughs> don't worry, everyone. I'm Gracie Law. Oh, don't you know? This is my neighborhood. They kidnapped Wang's fiance. Oh, it's because she has green eyes. They love women with green eyes. It's like, what the fuck? They, they're extra expensive that they have green eyes. It's like, That's like a car with bucket seats. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? What is this movie? <laughs> Everybody's in on the joke. It's just great. It's... No, but what is the joke? The joke is it's ridiculous. What is the joke? Kung they Fu... talk like fucking cardboard cutout people kung fu action movies are kind of just like that b kung fu action horror movie it's just it's just poking fun of these like types of movies because you always have the hero who talks very stilted and like i'm the good guy and uh, da, 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 da. like it's that's the point of all this it's they're they're poking fun at these stereotypes and you're like what well the we, we should we? explain so when when the fiance gets kidnapped Wang and Jack they go off in Jack's truck the pork chop express they chase uh the bad guys into this alleyway and then out of nowhere a gang war erupts in this alleyway yeah well which is fine but like why I don't understand what's happening well apparently Lopan set this all up for this fight to happen between these two groups of people and Jack and Wang kind of just get stuck in the middle of this in the pork chop express but the three storms show up. They are basically Lopan's three stooges, uh, but they are super powered beings. They start kicking ass. Jack and Wang's like, Jack, get the fuck out of here. Let's just drive. And he starts driving and quickly runs into Lopan. Played by motherfucking James Hong, man. <laughs> Legendary character actor, over 450 IMDb credits. The man's still working. Most recently, he was in uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and he's just fucking amazing. I mean, if you don't know the name, just Google him, and like you'll know who he is immediately. But yeah, he, he does great in this movie. He's just like, you know, quintessential villain guy who is a creep with the ladies. Like, this whole, this whole movie essentially boils down to sex trafficking. From what I understand, Lopan is really 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 old guy who wants to be immortal young guy but he needs a magical mystical lady with green eyes to marry him so he can steal her blood and be young again but he also runs a whorehouse <laughs> i don't understand i don't think he runs the whorehouse so he's a wizard from ancient times you're a wizard lopan <laughs> basically who was imprisoned in the body that would just start rotting away over the years his magical own. mystical villain goes boo that's basically yeah. all you need to know Well, jack tries to run him over and goes right through him and is like what the fuck and then he they run away and abandon his truck and then the rest of the movie he's bitching and moaning that his truck is gone 
or he is questioning what the fuck just happened and that's like me like literally me girl like where's the pork chop express and why can't i have it back and why is the creepy chinese man like why can i drive my truck through him and he don't die what what's that about and why does bigfoot exist why is bigfoot in this movie and why is some random white lady reporter here running around what who who is she why do we need to care about her spoiler we don't what's happening in this movie (laughs) that's the thing like you know usually in this kind of like action adventure movie there will be a character like a Jack Burton and he'll be like, hey, what's going on here? I don't what's what is this? I don't get it. What's happening? And then another character who is more knowledgeable in what's actually going on will be like, listen here, you idiot. I'll explain to you what's going on. And then we got to go get the job done. But they skip that part and they just go, OK, let's go get the job done. And then Jack's just like, wait, but what is the job? I don't know. And then the movie keeps going and you're like, oh, okay, let's keep going. (laughs) Eventually we'll figure out the truth of the matter, right? Right? Well, (laughs) right? (laughs) Well, I I think it's partially because they even look at Jack and go, Jack, you won't believe the truth. (laughs) Like, you can't handle the truth. I have to admit, Kurt Russell, because we haven't talked about it yet, the mullet is amazing. Oh, the mullet. Dude, I didn't even realize till like maybe a quarter of the way through because he had a, like a trucker cap on because of course. And then at some point he takes it off and he's just running around with Wang, you know, <laughs> like, like again, like he's in a, a 50s stage play like, oh, I sure hope we find my fiance for I must marry her and make an honest woman out of her. I look over at Jack and just the hair is just flowing everywhere it shouldn't be and i'm like does he have a fucking mullet he does does he have a mullet it's glorious it's not but i'll i will say this i i, I do have some cast could have been so i'm not gonna make a big song and dance about it because it's it's really just uh for wang and jack but apparently carpenter's first choice for wang was jackie chan yes and i'm so glad that didn't work out he declined it thank fucking god well <laughs> because i cannot picture jackie chan the motherfucking goat running around like oh yes jack we must go find my beautiful fiance so i may marry her and make babies with her well okay oh how i love her <laughs> <laughs> the reason jackie turned this down because i actually have heard that one before is the jackie had a couple movies come out in the in america before this, like Rumble in the Bronx, which is a fun movie, and none of them did particularly well. And I can't even imagine that now. Yeah, it, because Jackie Chan has become such a big name, like of him, Jet Li. You know, but uh, this was a time frame where a lot of those guys weren't doing well coming right. to America, so they decided, fuck, I'm not going to do American uh, yeah. movies anymore. I'm just going to go back yeah, and, do screw what, it. and make my money in Hong Kong. What was the first movie that... Jackie Chan like blew up here. I guess it was Rush Hour, right? Probably Rush Hour would be the his biggest movie here to date. I mean, Rush Hour is great. It is great. He turned yeah. That's why he turned down Big Trouble because he's like, I'm done with this already. Yeah. But then while we're on the subject of cast Codevins, apparently Russell was always Carpenter's first choice, of course. But the studio they wanted uh, either Jack Nicholson or Clint Eastwood. <sighs> the thing is about like. Kurt Russell and one of the things that makes Kurt Russell so great 
is Kurt Russell's willing to be the butt of the joke. Oh, absolutely. I don't think either Jack Nicholson or Clint Eastwood ever lets themselves be the butt of the joke. I think later in his career, though, Nicholson was probably more affable to that because by that point he knew what his vibe was in the in the public eye that he's just like some crazy fucking guy <laughs> yeah but this is 80 this would be like right yeah this is this is still relatively earlier yeah jack nicholson's just a weird choice here yeah kind of i can't see him being that silly yeah he doesn't get silly until like anger management days yeah, that's that's around the point where he starts leaning into his persona as like this crazy guy. <laughs> like I played the Joker. <laughs> I'm fucking weird. <laughs> exactly. Don't cross me. <laughs> so we have to go break into Lopan's place. Jack is like, okay, we're gonna go in there. If we're not back in five hours, call the president. Yeah, that's also like a great aspect of this movie that kind of just makes fun of like action movies in general. I thought like. They go in with absolutely no plan. None. No plan at all. And it's like, usually like in action movies, they'll either do that, go in with no plan, but act like they've got a plan, or they'll have this elaborate plan that just completely falls apart and they get caught like almost immediately. So it's like Wang just basically goes in like, I'm going to save my girl no matter what. Do, 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 do. And Jack's like, all right, well, I'm, I guess I'm going to go with him then so he doesn't like die. So yeah, bye. And then they go and immediately get caught and like tortured and shit. And it's like, yeah, well, what did you think was going to happen, dude? He's a fucking wizard and you're a guy that runs a Chinese restaurant. Like no disrespect, but like what, what are you going to do? But then also later on in the movie, he just out of nowhere just starts being a martial arts aficionado Wang. He just starts like beating the fuck out of people and high kicking and flying through the air with the greatest of ease. And it's like, wait, what? you didn't say you could do that. <laughs> Why didn't you do that before? <laughs> it has to come out at the right time, Frankie, the right time. Just fuckery, straight fuckery. Again, we meet old Lopan here. And Jack's like, this isn't fucking Lopan. He's a 12-foot fucking yes, giant. He was he was dressed ornately, and he had this very uh, heavy eye makeup on, and he, you know, got hit by my giant Mack truck and didn't die. So, like, this isn't the guy. <laughs> what is fucking happening? Uh, again, no answers are given. <laughs> everything James Hong has ever said about this movie is he had a blast. Yeah, and, like, that's the good thing that comes out of this movie. Like we said in the beginning, like, it is clear that everyone's having fun and everyone is in on the joke that this movie, which I'll admit, like, I did not get the joke at all times, but, like, it was clear that there was a joke that everyone was in on and I didn't fully understand it, but everyone was having a grand old time, which helped me get through this without, like, completely losing my mind. Because <laughs> I was like, wait, what is this now? What's up? What the fuck? Why? Why are they still talking like this? They're just going to try to kill the wizard guy? Why? Why does he want the lady with green eyes? It doesn't make sense. Why is Kurt Russell breaking into the fucking whorehouse with big bottle cap glasses on? I don't understand it. <laughs> the character Kurt Russell plays in that scene, he wears the same costume as another character one of his is it like one of his earlier like disney movies no when he was bought and <laughs> it's actually, used by disney no it was a robert Zemeckis movie called used cars 
Oh, I feel like I've heard of that. It's from 1980. Okay. We're totally going to get off topic for a second. Okay. I know that Carpenter did like a TV movie where Kurt Russell played Elvis. Yes. But didn't you watch a movie relatively recently with Kurt Russell where he played an Elvis impersonator? Yes. He, uh, what was that? What is it with this guy and playing Elvis? Well, anyway, continue. But what was that movie? Oh, uh, that was called. Oh God. Uh, um. And it had fucking Blandy McBlanderson in it too. Y- yes, it did. It had, fucking Kevin Costner. Yes. Uh, Three thousand miles to Graceland. What the fuck? I okay. Uh, Three thousand miles to Graceland is Kurt Russell and Kevin Costner impersonate Elvis to try and rob a casino. During Elvis Con, basically. And they do it, and then it's a bunch of portrayals about trying to get this money. Kevin Costner's the bad guy. Kurt Russell kind of is, too, but he's the bad guy with a heart of gold. Oh, that make, that reminds me of Bone Tomahawk, which is another Kurt Russell movie that I want to show Scott. It's really fucked up, though. But he plays the sheriff of this like old western town, and it's it's fucking it's such a good movie. Don't anyway, worry, we will do a we will do more Kurt Russell. We're gonna do more Kurt Russell because Kurt Russell is the shit. Like Kurt Russell, like we were saying earlier, is one of those actors that even in movies that are bizarre, like this one, like Bone Tomahawk, if you've ever seen that, like the fucking Graceland movie, like he's done a lot of weird shit, but he always manages to have an incredible amount of charm that will keep you very captivated well also so just uh increase your elvis thing with kurt russell uh he sings elvis in christmas chronicles he uh is the voice of elvis in forrest gump really yeah well i haven't seen forrest gump in like forever i don't remember that so he has other elvis things that's so weird okay uh the fact that kurt russell did not do a cameo in this elvis movie that just came out this year is disgusting then i'm mad as Frankie said before, getting back to this plot real quick. Wang, oh yeah, real quick. Back to the movie that we're reviewing. <laughs> Wang and Jack get captured. And uh, Gracie and her crew come in and also get captured. Her crew, by the way. Let's just quickly go over her crew, okay? Her crew is Wang's friend, Eddie, who is useless. Gracie's friend, Margot who is a clueless and naive reporter who literally has no purpose being here at all. I thought Gracie was a reporter at first when the movie started because she just came in like, I'm going to figure out what's going on here. And I'm a strong, independent woman who don't need no man until I get captured. And then, you know, I need a man to save me. But anyway, she's not a reporter. She's just annoying. And then Margot, who's even more annoying, is a reporter who has negative purpose she is a liability actually which is funny because later in the movie when they they do end up escaping the wizard's evil lair here spoiler alert and then they have to go back for reasons which we'll get to but Margot, what there she's like oh well i'm going with you back there into the evil wizard's evil lair and jack basically laughs in her face like uh no bitch no you're not go away Bake me a cookie or two. Like, go do something useful. What an ass. What a bitch. What a cock. There's really no side characters that matter in this movie. And that includes Gracie, even though she is love interest. If you just kind of folded her character into Margot's character, yeah, she that would have been more. fine. There's literally no purpose to Margot at all. But, yeah. Like, she, she, I would say, has a negative purpose. Eddie, the friend, really has no purpose. 
uh gracie barely has any purpose except to be hot lady that jack likes that's it like nobody matters at all yeah it's kind of how this goes sometimes i mean great gracie let's just put it out there right now and call a spade a spade gracie's purpose in this movie is to be oh jack you're such a brute and then you know 20 minutes into the adventure she suddenly is like jack you're so sexy in your tank top and your mullet i'm gonna kiss you now in the sewer which is so appropriate and then they make out and then she gets captured by bigfoot yeah which again bigfoot's in this movie Bigfoot! Why Bigfoot? Why? Why Bigfoot? Hell no, man. It's Why it's Bigfoot? Just, hell no. There's a giant spider, too, that grabs somebody randomly. There's a floating head at one point that looks like like one of... You know the fucking evil toys in Sid's bedroom in yes. Toy Story? You know the baby head that's attached to like the spider claws that crawls around? <laughs> it looks like that if it was dipped in sewage and baked in an oven for 400 years. And then, <laughs> and then it decided to float around and harass Jack Burton and the gang. And I called him Jack Burton and the gang because... That's basically how the movie is set up. Okay, they try to paint it like Wang matters, and he's then he does hero. some kicking. No, he's not. He's our hero. He's not. Nobody. Wang has no personality. Okay. So do Wang a lot has of no people. personality. He, you don't even give a fuck about Wang. I'm sorry, but you don't. You care about Jack only because he is Kurt Russell and he is charming and he is funny. And he makes the yokes. But even he is incompetent. That's which the point. I get right, no, I get it. But even being incompetent, he still manages at the end of this movie to save the day and kill the main bad guy. If Wang was really your hero, then Wang should have killed the bad guy and saved his fiance. Well, when he didn't save his fiance. Jack Burton saved his fiance. Jack Burton should be fucking the pretty Asian lady right now, and not Wang. Well, Fuck that! No. Well, Wang gets into it's a, a lie. Wang You've gets, been lied to. <laughs> Wang gets into an epic sword fight with with hot, sexy, uh, fucking member of evil the storms. Minion. Yeah, there's three evil minions, and Scott, as the three evil minions that we discussed earlier. Uh, you know, the they storms, come yeah. into the yeah, they come into the frame right, and they go one by one through all of the three guys. And Scott says before that, he's like, okay, I think one of these guys used to be a, a supermodel, but I'm not sure. I was like, oh, okay, cool. They pan to the first one. Eh, he's perfectly fine looking. He big buff guy, cool minion number one, cool bro, yeah. Um, other guy is like basically like a baby faced teen heartthrob and i'm like oh maybe that's the guy oh, maybe and then they go to the other one and he's like the most statuesque motherfucker i've ever seen and he's got long flowing locks he looks like fabio but chinese and i'm like that's the one that's the fucking one i don't know which one it is i don't know his name i think they're all like it's thunder lightning and something else I've, it's rain thunder and sure whatever sugar Spice and everything nice. These were the ingredients chosen to create the perfect little girl. The fucking sexy one is the best one because he's got long flowing locks and he's the one that fights with Wang at the end. 
and uh he gets killed which like yeah okay bad guy sure no like sh- yeah sure kill kill the bad guy fly around on your wires with the greatest of ease during this <laughs> last rescue this last battle like because they're trying to prevent this wedding uh, uh yes the, the whole point well, we should explain that so uh yeah lopan's gonna marry both crazy and and the and uh wang's fiance but then he's gonna sacrifice gracie for reasons that I don't understand. I guess because that helps bring him back to that, life. That and makes then, yeah. And then, but then he drinks. He's trying to drink the fiance's blood. The 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 fucking logic of this whole movie does not track really very well. But again, uh, that was my problem with this movie. I needed to stop thinking thoughts. Just, just don't think logically. Think with your heart and with your. Uh, extremities your lower extremities you know you see hot sexy kurt russell in a tank top with lipstick smeared all over his face because uh fucking gracie law makes out with him in the elevator that was a funny scene that was great they make out in the elevator because you know now they're in love or whatever because they almost died together so they make out in the fucking elevator and he's got red lipstick smeared all over his lips and then he goes out into into the fucking uh room and he fights lopan <laughs> with lipstick smeared all over his face it's really it's it's quite funny you but- know what jack Byrne always says what the hell <laughs> Did we mention that Gracie gets kidnapped by Bigfoot? Yes, we we said we mentioned that. Yes, I feel like that deserves an explanation. But to be quite honest, we're incapable of giving you one because there is no explanation to why Bigfoot is in this movie. They never make any mention of it before, during, or after Bigfoot's appearance. Why there is a Bigfoot? And I'm sure it's not called Bigfoot in the movie, but it's a big, hairy beast man who scoops up Gracie Law because she has green eyes and brings her to Lopan. And Lopan's like, I'm going to kill Gracie and then I'm going to suck the other girl's blood and then I will live forever. And okay. Usually we kind of go like a straight line through the plot of these movies that we talk about and like explain our thoughts along the way. I feel like we're jumping around more than usual, but that's because this movie has a very like wishy-washy wibbly-wobbly plot that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense it's just meant for fun and goof and like it's that's, yes. that's what this movie is yes and i should have known I, that from the beginning and stopped trying to understand it and like, <laughs> that was my fault and jack burn one-liners and like at one point jack goes to shoot somebody and can't because he doesn't realize the safety's on <laughs> oh, that was so stupid. Oh, my God. And, like, the faces he makes when he's shooting his fucking gun is, like, really funny. He's like, oh, I don't... Need- oh, right, the safety's off. And then as soon as he's- the gun starts working, he's like... Ugh! And he has, like, this, like, look on his face. Like, he's, like, literally playing a video game well, in great. his mom's basement. Well, it's, it's like, it's, bro. It's great because he shoots a guy and he's like, oh, shit. And Eddie looks at him and goes, first time you ever plugged anybody? He goes, no. No, <laughs> no you fucking idiot. Like, okay, whatever like, you say. Uh, he just has so many great little fucking like Egg Shen leads the second rescue and he's got like a secret f- potion 
secret magic potion and Jack's oh like God. they're how all you, high as fuck how, how how do you take the secret potion do you drink it oh my yeah. god i Sounds like screamed good. at the tv at that point i was just so over it i was like are you fucking kidding me no bro you like bathe in it in the fucking sewer like what do you mean do you drink it Oh, what good. does one do with a magic potion you fucking moron it's like see they do things like that but then they at the final like boss fight with Lil Pan Wang is nowhere to be found so Jack who is supposed to be the bumbling sidekick saves the girl kills the bad guy in the dumbest way actually this is how the mean evil bajillion year old wizard gets killed right you ready for this shit Jack takes knife. Jack throws knife at bad guy. Hits a gong. And everyone looks at him like he's stupid because he is. Then bad guy picks up knife, throws it at Jack. Jack then grabs knife because reflexes. Ha ha ha. And then throws it back at wizard again. And then stabs wizard in forehead. And hundred bajillion year old wizard dies because he got like murked by a knife being thrown in the air by a fucking moron <laughs> okay like like that's why i feel wishy-washy about the whole sidekick thing because it's like okay yeah he's bumbling and he's a doofus and he's like a charming doofus but he's a doofus but then he does all of the like staple hero things in the movie well, but he does so it's undercutting the whole purpose of what supposedly John Carpenter wanted to do. Well, he does, he knocks himself out. Like he doesn't like this is the one heroic thing he kind of does in the movie, really, where he does kill the ma- main big bad. But besides that, like he knocks himself out in the fight. He does stab a guy and immediately like can't get the guy off him. Like he he does things that are like oh he's meant to be heroic because he's the hero of his story but like he's not the hero of our story i get it you know what would have been funnier and maybe worked better not that i'm trying to tell john carpenter what to do but i feel like it would have been funnier if like jack is the same bumbling but charming idiot that we know and love right and throughout all that despite the fact that gracie is you know at first he she's very like oh god you're such a pig he eventually gets the girl like happens in the movie but throughout all of that wang is actually like a legitimate competent hero and not just like you know joe schmo from our town like (laughs) like the fucking milkman like do 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 like because the problem is Wang acts like a sidekick also for most of the movie until I, uh, at the very end where he decides he's going to jump around on wires and kick ass. I, I think it's kind of meant to be like almost like, do you know the term double switch? Mm, kind of. So the term double switch basically means like a flip of personalities. Like mm-hmm. Wang's supposed to start out as the sidekick. Jack's supposed to start out as the hero. Mm. And they kind of cross and flip. Maybe that makes more sense, but I I don't know. I feel like it would have been funny because I still feel like Jack ultimately gets the hero's treatment at the end because he saves the main girl in distress. He also gets Gracie and he kills the main bad guy. So it's like he's still the hero at the end of the day. So I feel like 
if we still had Jack acting like the bumbling idiot, but also like charming and smart ass, whatever, like that's fine. But then if we had Wang as an actually like if heroic character who's maybe doing all the work behind the scenes, but Jack's getting all the credit and like Gracie's like, oh, Jack, you're so brave. Da-da-da-da. Oh, let me make out with your face. Meh. And then meanwhile, Wang's doing all the work and Wang ends up at the end saving the day then that would make more sense to what you're trying to do. And maybe that's what Carpenter wanted, but the studio was like, no, Kurt Russell has to be the main thrust of the movie because bigger name than Dennis Dunn, who plays Wang. So, like, I would get that if that's what it is. But you're not fully accomplishing the sort of F you to typical Hollywood tropes if you're still doing the Hollywood trope. (laughs) Let's just say if the one simple change is, let's say Wang kills Lopan. Mm-hmm. And saves his fiance. Let's say that's the only thing that's different. I feel like I would maybe feel better about it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I feel like Wang needed a moment. More of a moment than what he got. I feel like he didn't get a big enough moment to justify him being the hero and Jack being just strictly the sidekick at the end. You know what I mean? I understand what you're saying. I'm not fully buying that particular candy bar. Mm. Well, it's understandable. But the day is saved. Our heroes get out. They find the Pork Chop Express. Yay. Oh, yeah, that was weird. They, like, open a door in this warehouse, and it's like, oh, the truck. And it's like, how did the truck get here? Why do we... Really? Okay. (laughs) And they drive away, and they're celebrating now. Their egg shen's like, oh, my work here is done. Jack's like, I got to go back on the road. Oh, yeah. That was a good line. I wrote that down. He says to Wang as Jack is leaving. By the way, he does the very, like, typical, oh, no, baby. I'm I'm meant for the streets, not for settling down with a woman. I'm like, I was like, okay, sweetie. But he goes to Wang as he's saying goodbye. And he says, we really shook the pillars of heaven, didn't we? And I was like, ooh, that's a good fucking line. I wrote that down. But yeah, uh, Wang gets the girl. He's making out with his little fiance. Everything is wonderful. Life goes on and the movie ends. And Bigfoot's magically in the truck. Yes, And that's how the movie ends. I'm like, oh, Bigfoot. Why is there Bigfoot? We still didn't mention why Bigfoot exists. But okay, whatever. And that is big trouble in Little China. It's confusing. <laughs> it's a goofy, dumb, shut your brain off movie. That you just gotta have fun with. Yeah. No, I get that. And, like, again, I do want to rewatch it at some point. Not, like, tomorrow or anything. I want to give it a minute to breathe in my brain before I try to rewatch it. But, I don't know. I'm okay with weird shit. But I just... I need to have some kind of guidance. Not to say that I need everything spoon-fed to me. But I'd like to know why Bigfoot's in the movie. Like, just give me something. No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, like you know, you can have a mysterious villain that's like a bajillion-year-old wizard and, like, you know, he's just responsible for evil things. Evil, e- evil, all the time, evil. And it's like, that's fine. Like, okay, cool. And, like, you can have, you know, ho-hum, Joe Schmo uh, band of heroes going in and try to save the day and, like, not really doing a great job for a while and then somehow miraculously pulling it off. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, like, cool. No, I can buy that. Magical, mystical, crazy adventure. Like, cool. But then you can't just throw Bigfoot in. You gotta give me some explanation to why Bigfoot is in fucking Chinatown. Like, I don't understand you, sir. 
But then also, I, I don't feel like what John Carpenter was trying to do with this movie fully landed. I appreciate what he was trying to do with saying basically screw you to the Hollywood machine who tends to make movies about minorities and different cultures. Meanwhile, puts a big named, usually white actor in the forefront of the movie. I think that's a very cool way to make a movie and highlight that issue in Hollywood. I dig that, but I don't feel like it totally landed. And ironically, it's probably because the Hollywood studio system was like pushing back on a lot of the stuff that Carpenter wanted to do. So yeah, do I think it's a perfect movie? No. But it's one of the better Carpenter movies I've seen, despite the fact that I probably talked a lot of shit about it. But I, I did have fun with it because it's super creative and super fun. And again, it really helps that the people making the movie were having fun with it. Yeah. And that's what movies should be in general. You should be having fun making the movie. It would be interesting to see, like, if... That carpenter, the carpenter who did the thing, the carpenter who did Christine, the carpenter who did this. Yeah, not the carpenter that did Ghosts of Mars. Not that guy. That guy was just over it. Like, like that guy had given up at that point. But if that carpenter could come to now, what he could make, because I feel like they allow directors to make more craziness. Yeah, I feel like nowadays, at least sometimes i'm sure not all the time but i feel like nowadays a lot of hollywood studios they kind of understand that usually it's better off to let the artist be the artist and just do what they're gonna do and it usually works out better i'm sure not all but probably more than in the 80s yeah (laughs) you know so that that's always that's a good thing so frankie yes the final question Mm mm-hmm what are your final thoughts on Big Trouble in Little China? And what would you rate it on Leatherboxed? So I rated it a three and a half out of five stars. Again, I do want to rewatch it at some point. However, as of right now, and I feel like this is going to be a hot take. I like Christine more than I like Big Trouble in Little China. What? What the fuck? And feel free if you haven't seen Christine, feel free to watch it. If you have already seen it, feel free to listen to our review of Christine. We did, I think last year during Halloween time, we actually did a review of it with our good friend Brucker from Autopsy of a Horror Movie. Indeed. I'm going to get yelled at, I know. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't think you're going to get yelled at because John Carpenter is such a diverse filmmaker that people argue all the time, what's your favorite Carpenter? You know, because you have the thing. You have people who love Escape from New York. You have Big Trouble in Little China fans. You have the Halloween people. You know, like, there's a lot of Carpenter. And they're all very different movies. Yeah. And I I haven't watched all of them yet, like I said. I'm about halfway through his filmography. But right now, my favorite one is The Thing. I I, I think The Thing is my favorite as well. Yeah. And that, you know, I don't know if that'll change, but we'll see. I, I think... If he can control the setting, like this is a very much a big budget kind of crazy movie. Yeah. I mean, what else? The production design of this movie is really great. It's amazing. And I think as much as I love this movie, that's not necessarily Carpenter's bag. If I wanted a Carpenter movie, I would want a much more like intimate right movie. Like 
the thing is great because it's all in one location pretty yeah, much. I agree. Like Halloween's all in Haddonfield. It's all really tight knit. Even Christine is like that. It's just it's really three characters. Small four town. if you count the car. Yeah. But it's you know, it's this like small high school. And, yeah. Yeah. It's all it's all tight knit. I think that's kind of where Carpenter really succeeds mm-hmm. and does really great work. Like again, I love this movie. I have a lot of fun with this movie. I have it as four out of five. But like there's something just about Carpenter. He wasn't as appreciated as much in his prime right. as he is now. Yeah. But yeah, that's big trouble in China. Yay. So next week, uh, actually, I am going to show Scott a movie, a movie that is a, a fave of mine, a movie that is celebrating an anniversary. Ah. And of course, because it's me, it's a movie that is based on a book. And I'm actually really excited to talk about it because it's a movie I've wanted to show Scott forever and never got around to. So I'm excited to finally do it. And then after that, um, just to give you guys a heads up, um, because before we went on our little week-long break, uh, we were going to discuss Infinity War. But now we're just going to do an Infinity War slash Endgame slash MCU wrap up wrap up but that's after next week that's going to be like our after Thanksgiving episode so that will be our our wrap up of our monthly MCU series for this season and then by then it's just going to be all Christmas all the time until the end of the year so I'm very excited to finish out this year of shoot the flick another lovely and fantastic year indeed but until next week this has been shoot the flick i'm frankie sparks and i'm scott burton oh no no i don't want to be frankie law i don't want to do that (laughs) no oh jack you're such a pig i hate you so much come over here in this elevator and make out with my face you know what jack burton always says Ugh. what the hell ew i want to vomit okay (laughs) um (laughs) Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio and anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our exciting, fantastical, not so much fantastical in the magical sense, but fantastical in the fun sense, movie adventure. The check's in the mail. No, it's not, Kurt. It's it's not. <laughs>